listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, July the 11th, in the year of our Lord 2019. And being a Rumination Thursday, we have with us our good friend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? Um, I'm not really sure if I'm going to heaven or not. You're not sure whether you're going to heaven or not. Why is that? Well, because according to the article you sent me, I've got to start being more kinder to people. Well, you've you got to work your way to heaven according to that article. Yes, what we're going to be looking at is an article by Greg Weeks. He is the pastor of Manchester United Methodist Church, wrote this this year. And the title is What Nonbelievers Can Teach the Religious. Now, I find that very interesting because Christianity is about what the religious can teach non-believers. Believers, yes. But what's the first point that he makes that you found interesting? Well, there's two right right off. First, he calls it faith communities. You know, uh, any religion is, is faith. And it kind of stuck, stuck with me what we had discussed several years back with uh, Dr. Al Schmidt that Bible only talks about faith being that which believes in, in the triune God. It never talks about other religions in terms of faith. Yeah, that's a really good point to make, that God just doesn't recognize other religions as faith religions, because faith means trusting in the promises of the gospel that revolve around the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And those so-called traditions that don't believe that are not faith perspectives from God's point of view. Right, very, very well said. I mean, it breaks down into the two religion, man's religion and God's religion. And, of course, when we talk God's religion, we talk about the faith in the promises of the gospel. But to, on to other things, so he has a common core that uh, in order to reach uh, nonbelievers, we got to bring out the best of people and not the worst. And how does he suggest we do that? Well, he has four four areas that he that he looks at that he that he goes through. I mean, basically, it, it is uh, works, and he goes through truth, compassion, equity, and responsibility. Yes, and he puts a spin on them that isn't in agreement with the scriptures because truth, he says, you learn that from the sciences. The, the word, where's the word Bible anywhere in this article? <laughs> well, he does try at the end to bring in Christian as a Christian pastor, but still he, he limits it in, in with with all other religions. He doesn't uh, quite uh, bring it out. In fact, he he's uh, relying on, what was it, uh, modern secularists yes. in terms of of teaching the religious? Well, in regard to truth, he talks about science. He says that we need to look at the word world honestly and putting faith into action. For example, climate change is real. What will we do about it? That's the purpose <laughs> of the church. In fact, Issues Etc. had an excellent 
uh, item on about climate change where the individual who is a top scientist was saying that those who want climate change keep getting confused because there's a difference between carbon and carbon monoxide. And it's carbon mm-hmm. monoxide that's causing the problems, not carbon. If anybody gets a chance, they should listen to that on issues, etc. Those are all archived. And so climate change is based on false science. And why should we follow that rather than the scripture? Right. Well, in fact, uh, when I looked at that, looking for the truth, he brought up John 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But when he mentions truth, he's not talking about science truth. He's talking about religious truth. And the worst thing you can do is tell what is best in people, not the worst. Now, see, that's the very opposite of what Christianity is to do. We have, well, our program's called Law and Gospel. Gospel, yeah. Well, what comes to mind is the passage for all falls short of the glory of God. Yes, um, I deal with a lot of unbelievers when I drive for Uber. In fact, I pick them up from areas where there aren't too many believers at those particular kinds of bars and such. And when I pick them up and if we get a conversation going... The worst thing I can tell them is what is best in you as to why you're going to be saved. Mm. (laughs) Proper law is telling what is worst. And a lot of times they'll ask, what's the difference between Christianity and everything else? Is proper Christianity, I say, is really a teaching that we all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And often they'll respond, no. I'm not as bad as some other people I know. <laughs> and so right away you get in a discussion of the law, not telling them how great they are, but telling them from God's point of view how they really deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. And once they, the effects of the law takes, takes hold, then you tell them the way out is through Christ our Lord. That's right. When they say, well, what can I do about it? And the answer is, well, nothing. But God has done something uh, about it. The thing that really gets me is his understanding of Matthew 25. That's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And here's what he says. God praises people who were compassionate to others even though they were not necessarily religious, as they were reaching out to a stranger, a sick person, or any of the least of these, they didn't know that they were also reaching out to Jesus. So tightly does Christ identify with the sufferers that their faces reflect his. Now, all you have to do is read Matthew 25, and when Jesus stops, ta- starts talking about it, He talks about that on the day of judgment, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Right. Nowhere does he give an indication that both of them are going to be saved. Right, right. 
Yeah, he, he does a, quite a mixing there. And before he talks about the ones that, that in here, that, uh, did the cup of cold water and things are the good things. He said, come to me who have inherited. That's right. He's got the term inherit there, which means it's a gift. It's not something you earn. And when he talks about feeding the hungry or giving drink to the thirsty and the other items, those are responses to people who have proper faith, which are not found in the goats who don't have those proper responses. They may be helping out the poor occasionally or giving drink to the thirsty, but they're doing it out of self-interest, not out of proper faith to Jesus Christ. Right. You and uh, Mark Smith talked about that on Tuesday, that uh, our love comes as a result of the faith that we have in Christ. Exactly. It's the very opposite of all other religions in the world, that love comes first. But as Pastor Smith mentioned, we love others because he first loved us. Yes. Jesus is the one who is the foundation and cornerstone of the Holy Christian Church. But what this um, Manchester United Methodist Church pastor is trying to do is try and get the idea that it doesn't really matter what religion you are. They're all the same because what counts is whether you're kind to your neighbor. Mm. I mean, he even has this. The most joy I experience is when I see people light up because the Christ they profess is the Christ they see in the faces of people they serve. It just doesn't get any better than that. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I, I tried uh, taking a look at that several different ways, but uh, it, it is uh, definitely faith in Christ that, that uh, we, we see Jesus. There's nothing wrong with reaching out and, and helping everybody, yes, believers and non-believers. But it's only faith in Christ that, uh, and in the promises of the gospel that saves one. I want to read what he says here and your reaction. In a declining religious world, it won't be our doctrines that will attract people. People will not stream into a church because they're eager to hear the Nicene Creed. <laughs> Well, I'm not so sure that they, that, yeah, I would, you know, on the one hand, I would, would agree that uh, just teaching the doctrines will not necessarily bring them in, but talking, but if you talk teaching or doctrine in terms of the promises of the gospel, that will stream them in. And, uh, well, what do we do people, in youth confirmation and adult instruction, but teach? the meaning and the application of the doctrines to their life. That's what brings right. joy, not just knowing by memory the creeds, but by knowing the true meaning of the creeds, which is a revelation that can only come through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Well, they, they of course, when you're talking confirmation, so often, the, the, especially the younger ones, have been baptized into Christ and, and have received the Holy Spirit. 
and are are able through the gift of the Holy Spirit to understand what those scriptures are are saying to them. Are they not? Yes. Uh, since I've been out of surgery now long enough that I felt I could drive my car to the various congregations I see during the week, I'm back to listening to CDs of the entire Bible. And just so happens yesterday, I was going through Jeremiah, listening to that, chapter 23. And here's what it said, and it reminded me of this article you sent me. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster will come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear his word? Or who mm. has paid attention to his word and listened? I think we've got a lot of pastors these days who are not listening to the word of God, but are listening instead to what they say, the spirit within them that permits them to do abortion, homosexuality, and all of these gross sins without any problem. Because as long as they are being nice to people, that's all that counts from God's point of view. Well, we would expect them to be nice, but that's not what brings them to salvation. And I think that's that's the, the, the key to what you're talking about in that passage is the words we speak are the words that we, we speak from the Bible. Just the, the other day when I was working out with, with another fellow at, uh, at uh, my exercise club, we got the topic of the Bible. Yeah. And he wanted... He says, oh, yeah, you're Missouri Senate. <laughs> so he says, you guys are fairly stiff. And I said, well, how are we stiff? Because we follow what the Bible has to say. Didn't have an answer for that. No, no, no. We, we've got uh, the devil moving through false preachers all day long here. And I think Jeremiah really hits the head, uh, hits it on the head that they are stubbornly following their own heart. And they're making up um, comfort that God doesn't say. There's no comfort to say that it doesn't matter what religion you are as long as you are kind to the stranger, etc. And that becomes that the meaning. That was Jeremiah what? Chapter 23, beginning with verse 16. Now, almost yeah. the entire uh, chapter is about lying prophets. Uh, Jeremiah starts off in verse uh, 9, for example. My heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse of the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in the house, 
I have found their evil, declares the Lord. You know, this is the passage that Jesus picked up about uh, you made the temple a den of robbers. Hmm. It's a pretty stiff law, a pretty stiff uh, prophecy that all the way through Jeremiah on those things. He, yeah. This was not an easy course as a prophet, as you well know. There's no doubt that the Apostle Paul says when we deal with unbelievers, we're to deal in gentleness and uh, be nice to them. But I find that when I finally get into a conversation with these folks in uh, the Uber cab and they really hear what I believe, they do not think I'm being very nice to them at all. (laughs) Yeah, I I, um, found that working out there, I run into quite uh, liberal-type Christians in there, and uh, you have to... You have to sit down and talk to them a little bit in a kinder voice because they think you're so stiff-minded. Yeah, if if anybody was compassionate and nice, it was Jesus. Jesus, And he got crucified (laughs) by the people to whom he was trying to be nice and compassionate to. Because when you preach the law, a, a person just hates to hear that because it sounds so negative towards them. And so when I get somebody, I'll maybe talk to them about the gospel. We believe that in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. They'll say something like, well, that's ridiculous. And it reminds me of the Athanasian Creed that I've spoken about, where it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, incomprehensible. Hensible, yeah. And it's not talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, how it comes about, it's talking about the work of the Trinity is incomprehensible, that God would actually put his only begotten son to death for me. That is just not understood because they don't think they need it. And the reason I I often think is that they don't want to listen to the law is it's also convicting them. They know in their heart of hearts that yeah, that's, that's, you know, how wrong I've been. Yeah, that's why this Methodist pastor is stroking their backs and making them feel good. And he thinks that's why people are going to come to his church, because there's no judgment. Uh, there's no law properly preached. And that's what John the Baptizer was sent for, to prepare the way of the gospel. He had to show them that all of them fell short of the will of God, namely his law. Yeah, there, there's a town which shall remain nameless, so to speak. But what, that, that very thing that Weeks is talking about was going on in this uh, Reformed congregation. And they lately have been leaving the church left and right and going to other areas. The Lutheran Church has picked up quite a few of them. They've gone through instruction. So it's, it's, not, it's not resonating out there with, with the Christian population. Yeah, it's a good point you're making. When I do discuss what Lutheranism believes, I rarely run into somebody who has heard this before. They say, I've never heard this. You know, how, how can you say this? And then I can give Bible verses and such. But the main thing, to bring an unbeliever to bow before Jesus, 
you first of all have to get him to his knees in regard to knowing that he has sin. And I love it when they say, well, I'm not as bad as other people. What they don't realize is that from God's point of view, it's just not actions that are evil, but also thoughts and words. Oh, my words. Yeah, I bet, uh, I don't know if, you, if it ever happened to you with in adult confirmation, but I could just see in, in various lessons where people's like a burden been lifted off of their shoulders. You could just see a relief coming across them of knowing that uh, just trusting in the promises of Christ and that he has forgiven them has, has made a difference for them. And that has to be said in radical ways that they haven't thought of before. One of my favorite statements uh, to those who are in the cab, they'll say, well, what do you believe? I, I say, I believe that there's no work I do that sends me to heaven or sends me to hell. And uh, you do that with the t- tips for, for pizza, too, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the point I'm making, of course, is that heaven or hell is your destination, not on the basis of works, but whether or not you have faith in Jesus faith. Christ. And people right. have not heard that. And it's a saving faith because the devil and his evil angels have faith, but it's a historic faith. It doesn't trust in the promises of the gospel. Yeah, James talks about that, that the devils also believe, and then shudder, uh, that demoniac that was in that one individual, he, um, and then Jesus threw all of them into the pigs. They prayed, please do not send us into the abyss. So they know he has power over them, and they were real happy to go into the pigs until for some reason they ran down the hill and drowned in the water. <laughs> And the question comes, what happened to the demonics after the pigs all died? Well, they're still in the water. They were in the <laughs> abyss. Uh, remember uh, that for a lot of understanding of theology, the sea is often thought of as the abode of the devil. That's right. Yeah, you've got uh, Poseidon in the one group, uh, Neptune in the other one. But then when Jesus stands in that boat, he rebukes the sea, and it see, yep. is calm. And that's what he does in our lives. He rebukes the devil from causing us to worry about our salvation because the message of Christianity is your sins were forgiven at the cross. Cross. And we, as, do that as, we do that at the baptism, by the way. We see the sign of the cross both upon the forehead and upon the heart. Yes. What do we call an infant baptism sometimes? An exorcism. Yes, exactly, because it's taking the child out of the kingdom of Satan and bringing them into the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Yep, to mark him as one who's been crucified by Christ our Lord. So we talked about this today to alert our listeners that there are a lot of pastors and churches out there who no longer believe it's necessary to trust in Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, there's an Elka district that's trying to put out 
um, a resolution saying it's not necessary that we should try and get all people to believe in Jesus Christ because each have their own religion, which is just as valid. And that runs absolutely counter to what, what the Bible has to say. You know, that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Exactly. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Yep, through me, Jesus says. And we need to explain that and leave the results up to the Holy Spirit. It's not our task to convince anybody. It is our task, as Jeremiah says, to preach the word in its purity and, of course, then administer the sacraments rightly. That's right, right. Yeah. Give them the good news and let let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Exactly. Well, thanks for finding this article, and we'll look forward to next week, perhaps another article, uh, whatever, and we'll be discussing this again on Rumination Thursday. I'm Tom Baker, yeah. and that's Wes Reimnitz. Thanks so much, Wes. Our next long gospel is Open Mic Friday. You may want to ask a question about what we spoke of today or yesterday. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.